does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Let's welcome in Kevin Bowen. Kevin and Query Show. You hear him every morning here on The Fan. Kev, what's going on today? What's going on for the weekend, sports-wise, life-wise? What do you have on the agenda here? Yeah, I'm locked in right now. Obviously, halftime of this Big Ten quarterfinal. So, watching Purdue Rutgers. And, I mean, this time of year, it's a lot of basketball. The Colts potentially will sprinkle in some Madness of their own, but that might be wishful thinking. But, yeah, everything everything revolves pretty much bracket to this point. Hey, Kev, before I ask you anything about the tournament or the Colts, yesterday we had Wells on, and he said he was with you in Bloomington, but apparently Zach Kiefer was there too. So what kind of all-star team from training camp, for one, is in Bloomington? And number two, I don't know if Wells still knows my name That after like two years of knowing him, which is a little upsetting. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, as soon as he said Brandon, I'm like, what, Wells, what are we doing, man? I mean, the dude is nice to you. He's a great human. You're still calling him Brandon. Um, so, yes, down in Bloomington yesterday, I started. Uh, it's now my fourth year that I've done this. A, a class down there, second eight weeks. So, um, yeah, I'm the son of two teachers. I've always, education's always meant a lot to our family and everything. So I never thought if I could. You know, potentially do that in a small way. Um, that would be great. I'm not like Wells, not full time professor. You know, he's he made it very clear to his class. It's Professor Wells. I'm no, like, hey, just, I, just, I could just, never yeah. take that seriously. Yeah, I know. I'm like, just call me Kevin, and and you know, look yourself in the mirror when you're saying Professor Wells. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it is always I, I I do enjoy getting down there. I'm actually on spring break this week, so a little bit of a break. But um, yeah, I started that up this past week. Kev, what's your biggest worry for both Purdue and IU, not just in the Big Ten tournament, but when the big dance rolls around? Well, I, I think you just saw it to really begin the game with, with Purdue. I mean, it's the first minute of the game. I mean, Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith get about as clean a looks as you can ask for, especially against a good defensive team like Rutgers, and both of them clank it. And in particular, lawyer shooting has just been really struggling. You hear that big game against Nebraska in uh, probably back in January. And I think at that point, you know, for a lot of people that follow Indian high school basketball and know the type of score he was, you're, you're kind of thinking, okay, you know, this is now the time where this dude's going to be consistently, you know, whatever, 14 points a night and, you know, hovering around mid-30s shooting the ball from three. And he has not been that at all. I was – Looking it up earlier, I think he's like 13 of 55 from three or something mm. wild since that game. Um, you know, And they get great looks. I think that's the thing that probably frustrates Purdue fans yeah. even more is that you get these really quality looks, obviously thanks to Zach Eady. So I think if you're Purdue, that would be the worry. Um, and if Indiana, it's just it's finding probably that, that third consistent piece. And consistent is the key word. Um, you know, if you could pencil Indiana in for the rest of the season and say Miller Cop and Trey Galloway would combine to hit, you know, three or four threes every game the rest of the year, uh, that's a really, really scary output. You know, when you see Maryland on the schedule tonight, I think a lot of people go back to that first Maryland game and think to how Jalen hood Shafino played so poorly. He responded beautifully from that. But, you know, for the most part, he, he is 
overcome that away from home. I know that that had been a concern. Obviously, Purdue Purdue game was a historic performance by him. But I would say just the additional supporting cast outside of Trace and Jalen Hood-Chafino. And then for Purdue, it's some combination of just hitting open shots and, and handling the ball. Kev, for Purdue, and the last two years, there's been that dark cloud that has just hung over that they have regressed against teams that, quite frankly, are worse than them, North Texas and St. Peter's. Do you see any concern with that this year? Uh, no, I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I've said this before. I, I'm just a big believer. If you continue to get give yourself chances to throw darts at the dartboard, you're eventually going to hit the bullseye. Um, and Purdue has done that. I mean, if you look at them as a program with the last handful of seasons, but yes, North Texans certainly happen, but they also have made you know three Sweet 16s and, and an Elite Eight around these you know, five NCAA tournaments here recently, and I, I would put that right up there with probably any other program in the nation. Um, so, yes, St. Peter's happened last year. is extremely disappointing. St. Peter's also took out Kentucky in round one. You know, it's not like it was some – you know, they just happen to show up in the in, in the Sweet 16 and and beat you. So, I, I do think that if you continue to create yourself, or I say put yourself into you know good opportunities, which you know top four seed and playing somewhat close to home, eventually you're going to knock that door down. Um, and you know something that I think Purdue has that even is more of an outlier than last year. Like last year, they had Jay Ivey, they had Trayvon Williams as kind of their they're, they're two main guys, and, and, and those guys, of course, were great, great talent. But this year they have more of an outlier because it's impossible to replicate Zach Eady. You know, you can – all right, you know, here's the, uh, here's the director of basketball operations holding up a broomstick during practice. You, you still cannot simulate what 7-4 <laughs> means on both ends of the floor, how highly skilled he is, all of that. Big Ten teams – and we saw how Edie's played in Big Ten. I mean, he's the player of the year. Big Ten teams, I think, are somewhat used to it, and I emphasis on somewhat there. You get in a tournament, especially the teams that play you the, you know, the, the second of the two games on a weekend, I think it's just harder to truly realize what, how big he is, how skilled he is, all of those things. So I am curious if that will be an advantage for, uh, for Purdue. You know, I was thinking about it during the game today, Kev, is watching Zach Eady and watching him do his thing and how frustrating it must be at times to see your teammates not doing their thing, right? Like, if you think about Fletcher Lawyer, you rattled off some of the stats there where he's been ice cold from three. That's got to be really frustrating. And so I thought if you broadened it and you're thinking about any sport, what's the most frustrating sport to be a good player in but your teammates leave a lot to be desired. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, you know, it's obviously kind of a two-way street. I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's got to involve some sort of connection and the lack of one to the connection holding itself up. So immediate things that I think of is, you know, a ground ball and an infielder commits an air and the uh-huh. pitcher's just looking at you like, what the <laughs> right, world? Yeah. Sure. Uh, we, we, you know, here in Indiana, we saw this quite often with the one and only Lance Stevenson. Uh, I throw a perfect pass to you. You do not convert the shot. Uh, that hurts me from an assist standpoint. And again, Lance, uh, you know, he oftentimes would make it very well known. He would not hide his body language too well. Um, you know, quarterback receiver combo, a drop from receiver, you know, something like that. But yeah, those would probably be some of the other ones that, that uh, come to mind. 
Kev, just closing on basketball, and then I'm sure we'll hit some Colts. Uh, monstrous game coming up for your Irish tomorrow. Cathedral, Ben Davis, Southport. What do you think? Yeah, for a split second there, I was like, wait, did Notre Dame get a ninth life? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> like, your, like your true Irish. Yeah, God, boy. So, sorry, I, by I, the way, our, our guy Mike. Yeah, um... Yeah, huge tomorrow. You know, we, we had Rake on earlier today, Greg, Greg Rakestraw, of course. And, you know, when you think about the undefeated season for Ben Davis and what they could do if they make it all the way to game for Shieldhouse and win it all, and then Cathedral being the defending state champ, having eliminated them last season, I mean, this is about as juicy as it gets. So, um, you know, in, in watching from afar this season, obviously they played really well during the sectional. It seems like at times just the lack of – you know, maybe that, that dominant point guard or just more of a consistent ball handler has hurt them. And, and you know, hearing about Ben Davis, certainly uh, they can get up and, and get into your face on the perimeter like that. We'll see if Cavito can take advantage a little bit more from a, you know, yeah, I know Ben Davis got a D1 big guy, but a little bit more, you know, from a size standpoint. So it should be a great game. Southport Fieldhouse is an awesome, awesome venue. Um, it'll kind of be a unique regional format from what we're used to here in the state over the last couple of years with just the one you know, one game, uh, you know, Newtown Brownsburg will, will, will be the first game, but you don't have the nightcap like you usually do. But you got to think, you know, the winner of that one probably is viewed as the favorite of the 4A tournament the rest of the way. He's Kevin Bowen from Kevin and Query. You hear him every morning here on The Fan. You know, if you had a semi-magic wand for the Colts here, this is what I mean. Like, it's not a magic wand. You can't have, like, a Bryce Young 10th overall after you trade down. Right? right? It's semi-magic. What would be ideal for you where it's basically within reason the Colts get this quarterback and it's a, a little bit more favorable than you might think heading into the draft? What would be on your list there? Yeah, I, you know, I, I am – Certainly team Bryce Young in this. I, I can fully acknowledge that, you know, there is a, a big question about him and also look at a guy like CJ Stroud and realize you would sleep pretty well at night. I think if CJ Stroud became the, the quarterback pit so pick. So you know, somewhat realistic, but also maybe a little bit of a um you know, a, a positive thing or maybe good luck if you will. It would probably be not having to move up and mm-hmm. one of them falling into your lap. I, I think that's a tad wishful thinking. I, I would be surprised that you would dodge, you know, three bullets if you look at it like that. Obviously, right now, Chicago, Houston, Arizona is the order. I, I don't expect that to be the order come draft night. Um, but that, you know, not having to give up too much um, would be the path that you would love to take. And honestly, guys, I think next week you, you start to get a little bit. It's not going to be crystal clear, but you're going to have to start to get some answers from Chris Ballard. You know, he, so far, words is all he can say in the off season after a year where they hit rock bottom in his tenure. And so now what are the actions? Are you going to change things? Are you going to alter your approach at all? And if you have plans to trade up in the draft, therefore having to forego some probably quality draft picks, wouldn't that mean that to support the rookie quarterback, you're going to use free agency a little bit more than you have in the past. I know a lot of Colts fans are like, yeah, I'll believe it. When, when, when I see it, which I totally understand that line of thinking, but I am interested just to see that next week and the rest of the month of March because I think we'll, we'll finally you know get to a point where you've got to show some of your cards. Kevin Bowen's with us here on the Fan Midday Show from the DriveHewler.com studio. Kev, you were around most of the time at the Combine. 
and you had a chance to hear from everybody from an in-person perspective. You know, when the quarterback decision is going to be made, is this truly Ballard's thing, or how much of an input would Ursay have? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. You know, it, it, I think Ursay will have some input. Definitely, he will sign off on it. I, I still think like it's you know, if you're going to divide up a little pie, you know, I I, I would think something of a you know fifty percent. Ballard, you know, 30% Steichen, 20% Ursay. Um, it's just me kind of throwing the numbers out there. It, you know, if I were Chris Ballard, and I don't know, maybe if I were in a position of that authority, I wouldn't be able to put my ego to the side, you know, too, too much, but I would want Shane Steichen's opinion a little bit more. And I know Shane Steichen has this unbelievable, diverse quarterback background, which makes him, you know, extra attractive as a hiring candidate. But I would want him to make sure he offers – you know, his big-time opinion of, okay, I know you feel like you can make others work, but really, who do you want out of this group? Because that can be the separator. And when you look at the AFC, and certainly Jimmy knows this full well based off, you know, who who he roots for. But, I mean, just look at it. I've You know, we've had this conversation for several months now. The seven playoff teams from last year, all seven of those quarterbacks, 27 years old or younger. If you want to look a step further – Deshaun Watson is under the age of 27. You know, Kenny Pickett is under the age of 27. Mac Jones is under the age of 27. I know not all of them. Those franchises maybe think, you know, 1,000% they are a lock. But if any of those teams, the Patriots, the Steelers, or the Browns are in the playoffs next year, I don't think we'd be stunned by it. So you throw those three quarterbacks and teams on top of the seven that made it last year, you're talking about 10 of the 16 AFC teams that feel like they not only – have the guy or maybe have the guy, all of them are also under the age of 27. So it's not like these guys are going to be you know, walking up the back nine anytime soon. So I think when you factor all of that in, it just adds to the importance of certainly what the next month and a half is going to be like. Hey, Kev, good stuff, man. Uh, anything crazy that's nearly uh, illegal planned over the weekend? Oof, well, I, I mean, full transparency, I did crack a PBR at 7 a.m. this morning. Yeah, baby! I, I know, you know, that, that was... a boy! I, I don't believe that was illegal, but, I mean, maybe viewed in a <laughs> negative light by some. I thought it was well-deserved uh-huh. for our celebration. So, yeah, we had PBRs and we had uh, Long's Donuts oh. at about 7 a.m. this morning. Um, I, I don't venture to guess I will uh, flirt with anything um, too much more than that over the course. So, it'll be some couch... It'll be a couple cold ones, sure, and it'll be a lot of basketball and hoping the kids behave themselves. Kev, now, so, sorry, Brian. Kev, before yeah. you go, uh, other than a Long's Glazed, what's the number two there in your mind? Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, the Long's Yeast is unreal. Yeah, yeah, the, talk, that's number one. Yeah, I, yeah, I am a huge, huge Krispy Kreme fan. Huge. Um, <laughs> outstanding. But you know what? Kudos to the efficiency at Long's Donuts this morning. I walked in there about 630 I had about eight minutes I felt like to spare. There were 12 <laughs> people in front of me in line. Wow. Boom. I mean, rapid fire. And we're talking big orders. People had cakes. People had cupcakes. You know, some people wanted one, two donuts. And that efficiency was beautiful. If Purdue or Indiana can be as efficient on both ends of the floor like the Long's Donuts crew this morning, uh, those programs will be cutting down some nets here in the next couple of weeks. I got to know this before you go, man. With cracking open a cold one at 7 a.m., 
Is there a thought yeah. process? Please don't to, judge me, Brian. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. Is there a thought process as to when the next one is cracked open? You know what I mean? Do you have to wait until afternoon? Are you like, it's 11, I'm going to have two of them before noon? Or are you just whatever? Whatever happens, if you have the feeling, you crack one open. Well, you know, when you work with Jake Quarry for 15 hours a week, the second <laughs> one actually ended up being crafted about 8 a.m. Uh, again, just to further the, the, the transparency there. So we had two. Uh, we, we, we had two. You know, you have two donuts. You got to have two of the cold ones. Gotcha. So, again, we had, we had a lot to celebrate with the Pacers getting to the 30-win total and, and the preseason bet that came to fruition finally last night. I have held off since then. Um, I've got, a, you know, a, a day of work ahead. I've got a nephew's basketball game to attend i've got to pick up the kids from from daycare so we have dialed back since then but when the sun goes down we'll jump back on the train there you go that a boy good stuff man well good uh visiting with you kev hope you have a great day great weekend too man boys always enjoy it have a great weekend thanks kev there he is kevin bowen kevin and query show here on the fan life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Right now, I want to welcome in Zach Osterman, covers IU for the Indy Star, joining us here on The Fan. Zach, we were talking about IU and what to expect tonight, and I'm like, good luck figuring this team out, right? If it's good IU, they might steamroll them. If it's bad IU, they might be one and done. Do you have a firm sense of what you're expecting from IU tonight? Uh, yeah, I mean, the short answer is no. Um, they've only seen Maryland once this year. It's funny that the way the bracket lined up, whoever they got in this game, they were only going to have seen them once. And um, only one of those teams would have played at Assembly Hall. So, you know, kind of trying to diagnose them on a neutral floor. Obviously, Maryland has struggled away from home this season. I think they've only got one or maybe two true road wins all season. Maryland's also just sort of a funny matchup because they play such an isolation-heavy offense. They don't turn the ball over a lot. They don't assist a lot of their baskets. It's just very much sort of, 1v1 matchups and kind of moving bodies around to create advantage situations for guys like Jameer Young and Donald Carey and Dante's got to drive on you. Um, and that makes, I mean, you know, it's, it's just, it's basically, it's kind of hard to, to figure Maryland out. I would say more so than Indiana in a lot of ways, because Maryland has looked so good at home and it's just not been able to replicate that almost anywhere it's gone on the road. I think their only true road win all season was at Minnesota. So, um, it's it's going to be a, an interesting game, a funny game. I suspect it's going to be a really pro-Indiana crowd, given that it's a Friday night in Chicago. Um, so I think the United Center is going to be pretty full of IU fans. And if, if that, you know, if, if it is atmosphere that's Maryland's problem, then, then I think this is going to turn on them kind of quickly. Hey, Zach, it's Brendan. You alluded to the last game that Maryland and IU played. That was the game where Jalen hood Shafino really got a cold spell. One of 14, didn't make a three-pointer. Was that what really defined the game to you or was there another reason that IU did not succeed that night? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, that was definitely part of it, you know, and, and I think that that was, you know, we've probably seen this sort of develop more clearly, but I think that was early on in sort of the maturation of this team really coalescing around Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Huchifino down the stretch. I also will say, and, and you know, this is kind of one of those things that's really unscientific, but we talk about it a lot with Indiana at home, Purdue at home. You know, the Xfinity Center, that was a 9 p.m. Tuesday game. It was sold out. We're very close to it. It was very loud. It was very intense. And, again, this is a Maryland team that really had, had done nothing on the road and, as it turned out, would do nothing on the road across pretty much the course of the Big Ten season, certainly nothing meaningful. And it was just kind of one of those games where it felt a lot like Maryland kind of tuned up for that game in a way that was going to make it difficult for anybody to win in that environment. Um, and I'm not just putting it all down to, you know, noise level and fan intensity and all those things. But, you know, again, we, we talk at some, you know, we talk sometimes about how Assembly Hall can be one of those buildings that just picks up a win because of its atmosphere. We say the same thing about Mackey Arena. The Xfinity Center kind of had that feel that night. And so when you, you know, when you get maybe one or two guys that aren't, aren't contributing at the level that you're normally expecting them to, um, it can get away from you in a hurry. And I think that's, that's probably part of what, um, what contributed to Indiana's struggle in that game. Talking about you hoops with Zach Osterman from the Indy Star. I apologize if you've been bombarded with this question over and over again, but I just look at Trey Galloway shooting at 47.5% from distance, and he's got 59 attempts on the season. Like, why haven't we seen more three-point attempts from Trey? Why haven't we seen teammates setting him up more uh, than only having 59 attempts on the season? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few answers to that. I think, number one, obviously, Galloway has really had to step into much more of a ball handler role with Xavier Johnson out. He's he's essentially sort of become Indiana's auxiliary point guard behind Jalen Huchifino in a lot of situations. Number two, you know, this is a player who has improved dramatically from behind the three-point line um, from his first two seasons in college. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of reminded of when Victor Oladipo kind of, you know, really turned on the juice shooting the three his junior year. And it was sort of a similar thing where he was a lot more accurate, but there still wasn't a lot of volume. And you kind of got the sense that part of the uptick in accuracy was built around being really selective about his attempts. Um, and then I think the, the third thing kind of ties into that, which is just, I think, you know, Trey Galloway for a lot of his career, even going back to high school, is a player that, that would shoot the three, would take jumpers at times, but also was going to be very drive heavy, was going to want to get downhill. Uh, was you know typically a little bit longer, a little bit more athletic than the players in front of him, and so he's not a player who maybe has that built-in sort of muscle memory the way a Miller Cop might or a Tamar Bates might of you know how to operate off the ball, how to float to the the wings, the open spaces, the shooting windows, etc. So I mean, I, you know, I'm sure Indiana would love to get him a few more threes. I think just in general, we can have a conversation about whether Indiana as a team should be shooting a few more threes per game. But I think Galloway, there's probably a number of contributing factors that have kind of kept the, the overall number of attempts down and the accuracy in terms of makes up. Zach, from the Michigan game and what Race Thompson did, you know, he played 35 minutes, first time playing over 30 for the first time since December. I know he was dealing with some injury issues midway through the campaign. But going 16 and 10, do you get a sense that, you know, he's fully back on track and ready to battle down low? I think so. I mean, to some extent, you know, I think I think part of it has been injuries with Ray Thompson. I think part of it also, you know, frankly, has been essentially just that, you know, when Trace Jackson Davis kind of transformed from a guy that was getting, you know, 19 and 9 a night to a guy that was pretty consistently getting 26 and 
you know, 13 a night, 26 and 15 a night, suddenly there were just fewer points and rebounds to go around down there. And um, at times we've seen Jackson Davis and, and Grace Thompson play some of that really good buddy ball in the post. But when you've got more guys like Trey Galloway or Tamar Bates that are making threes at a, a more consistent clip than they were a year ago, even if sometimes maybe a guy like Bates can be a little streaky, you know, by the numbers, he's still making a lot more of those threes than he was a season ago. Um, that's also going to mean, you know, you're not going to you're not going to take away the post touches and, and the post offense for Trace Jackson Davis. Those those shots have to go somewhere, and and I think that sometimes with Race Thompson, he's also just been the victim of an offense that's maybe matured a little bit more around him and needed a little bit less just bully ball inside than it did a year ago. But I think you do see a, a healthier Race Thompson. You know, I think you mentioned you mentioned the minutes number. I think that's as big as as points or rebounds. I think the minutes number is is really important for Race Thompson. That's that's how much Indiana can count on him when the matchup calls for it. And I think that if he can kind of continue to grow that, he is you know quietly he's a he's an important piece of this team being better on the defensive glass than it's been in recent weeks. And he's also important because he is maybe this team's better best defender against bigger wings. Players like Dante Scott, for example, who obviously Maryland will put on the floor tonight. If, if you've got a a sharp and fit race Thompson ready for the postseason, then that helps you up with some matchups uh, defensively as well. Hey, Zach, when you look at IU when they are playing inconsistently, is there ever a consistent theme where it stems from, or is it just sort of a revolving door? Like, they just don't have it defensively tonight. Maybe it's struggling with shooting. Like, what does it tend to be when they are playing inconsistently? Um. That's a good question, and I, I, you know, I think I think there's probably more than one answer to that. I, I do think that obviously, when you're going to lean so heavily on two players, you know, in Jalen Hutchinson and Trace Jackson Davis, and, and if you just look at you know percentage of possessions used, just to, by the numbers, Indiana is is giving those guys just a, a ton more shots and a ton more offense than anybody else. And so, if a team finds a way to keep one of those guys quiet, keep one of those guys sort of neutralized. Even just like a, from a Trace Jackson Davis perspective, you know, we talk about his points and rebounds, but his assists have been so crucial to this offense all season. If a team can find a way to limit his assist numbers, you know, that, that, that can almost kind of take him out of the offense in some ways where he'll get his points, he'll get his rebounds. But it doesn't feel like Indiana will feed off of those in ways that really get other guys going. I think that's a, probably a big piece of it. Obviously, there have been times where we've seen some defensive lulls from this team, and I think there's been – kind of a mix of they've wanted to play faster than they did a year ago and sometimes that's meant they get a little bit more lax defensively and obviously also not having Xavier Johnson as this team has matured has been an issue because he was far and away Indiana's best perimeter defender from a a ball pressure perspective Um, so I think those are probably some of the things that, that come to mind most but again it's it's you know sometimes it's maybe inconsistency and sometimes it's it's more matchup driven and it's the ability that you know, when you think about, I mean, going back to a Kansas, for example, um, you know, Trace Jackson Davis nearly had a, a triple double in that game, but I think he only, I think he may have had one assist, maybe no assists. Um, his, his triple double was based largely around, I think, they finished with either eight or nine blocks because Kansas had a lot of length that it could throw at him. It had a lot of, you know, just long arms it could put in passing lanes, and suddenly he couldn't get maybe the skip passes and the, the cross-court stuff going out of the double team that really got other guys' quality shots, and that took Indiana out of its offense. And so it's it's not necessarily inconsistency in a moment like that. It's an opponent that is, is better equipped and better prepared to, to stop, you know, a, a key piece of Indiana's offense. 
Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star is our guest here on the Fan Midday Show, drivehubler.com studio. Zach, I know Mike Woodson talked about it in an earlier media availability. It might have been this week or last, but regardless, he mentioned the rest and and getting the double bye because last year it was such a storyline playing in Dayton and like getting off the plane at 3.30 in the morning and then having to play St. Mary's. Then you get whacked by St. Mary's. So how important is this rest for IU right now? Yeah, I mean, you're talking incremental gains at this time of year. You're obviously not going to get guys who've been, you know, in the thick of it for three or four months, you know, back to total 100% freshness, you know, just in a few days. But I do think it's relevant for a team that's pretty much been playing once every three to four days for the last, like, I don't know, two and a half months. You know, the Iowa game was on a Tuesday. The Michigan game was on a Sunday. That's a five-day gap. And then you go Sunday to Friday. That's another five-day gap, essentially. Obviously, I do think Indiana was probably a little bit more rough and tumble after the Iowa game in terms of practice and the intensity of certain things because of the way that game went. But if you're still able to steal an extra day here or there um, at this time of year, again, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to see leaps and bounds. But that does make a difference for guys, and, and it, you know, it, it, it may be the difference between a guy needing treatment just to be able to to play 30 minutes in a game and a guy feeling a lot better about you know, his flexibility, his explosiveness and, and things like that, just kind of from a, a baseline perspective. And so I think that, you know, you, you don't want to assign it too much importance. Uh, again, it's it's not like you're going to get guys back to where they were in early October in just a few extra days, but it does make a difference. And I think in particular, it makes a difference in a setting like this one where, you know, if all goes according to plan for Indiana, they're going to be playing three games in three days. Having that extra day of rest would have made a big difference you know, will have made a big difference by Sunday. Or if Indiana can obviously get into an advantageous situation in the in the NCAA tournament, let's say maybe Indiana wins today, loses Saturday, doesn't start NCAA tournament, play till Friday. Well, that's another extra day when you've got a short turnaround Friday to Sunday if you win your, your round of 64 games. So, again, it's it's all, you know, we're talking fine margins here, but listen, this is the time of year where fine margins can make the difference. I mean, this is the time of year where an extra, you know, an extra 2 or 3% can be, the difference between winning and losing and I know that sounds cliche and coaches you know say that sort of stuff relentlessly but you know history tells us there's there is some truth to it hey Zach appreciate the time man hope you enjoy the game tonight and have a good weekend absolutely thanks for having me thanks Zach. yeah thank you Zach Osterman covers IU for the Indy Star